Whatever style you rock, it all starts with the sneakers, and Finish Line has all the latest and greatest styles from your favorite brands, like Nike, Adidas, Jordan, and Under Armour to fit your personal style. Whether you're hitting the gym or the streets, Finish Line has you covered. Check out finishline.com for the latest sneakers for the back-to-school season and keep your game fresh. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Very Olympic Today, SI's daily Olympics podcast on the Sports Illustrated at the Games feed. I'm Mitch Goldich with Alex Abnos. And Alex, it's uh, it's getting a little dusty in here, I We're think. We're here. We're at the, the end. The last time. This oh, my is God. It. We have been a daily podcast for more than 20 days, about 20 days. It feels like 200 days. It does. But it's been about 20. We've made it. The Olympics are over. And... We started this feed, we had a big, gigantic preview episode on every single sport, and I think today we're going to do a big, gigantic review episode. Of every single sport. Of every single sport. Basically, if you if you missed the entire Olympics, if, if you're waking here up, is what yeah. happened. If you're waking up from a coma, or uh, if you uh, just, for some reason, decided, I'm not going to watch any Olympics, and then on the last day of the Olympics, you immediately regretted your decision. Well, that's why we're here. It, it's also, I think it'll be fun for people who did follow closely and even people who listened to us. It's like when a sitcom ends and they have like the clip show, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. here are our favorite parts. So I think we're going to run through, I, I, you know, I often, know we are. Often when they do the clip show in sitcoms, it's a sign of laziness from on the part of the writers. <laughs> well, not when it's like with the <laughs> grand finale. This is like all the, right, the double right. hour feature grand finale. Okay, sure. So we're going to run through every sport and basically the framework is going to be what was most memorable or what's going to stick with us. I think you said before we started, like, what will you remember four years from now? That was kind of how I framed yeah. uh, all of my all of my stuff for So this. we'll go through our, our top moments of the Rio games. We're doing the double pod, taping two of them here <laughs> on this final Sunday. Um, but I think before we get into that, it, we definitely need to thank everybody. This, yeah. This has been amazing. Yeah, and so so uh, this podcast, the only two voices on it, really for the most part uh, for The Daily Show outside of a few instances, uh, have been you and me, Mitch. But to those of you listeners out there, there have been just an, a whole team uh, of people behind us and supporting us. Uh, and they are the reason why we were able to block off these 20 days uh, out of our schedules and watch Olympics all day and do this podcast every and, night. And people who helped place this in right. stories and get us promotion and so, help people find it. So a lot of you who found the podcast found it because of many other people on our staff who we can't thank enough for that. So, so yeah, so we wanted to take some time here at the last, at the very top of the last show to thank all these people. First of all, uh, at the very top, uh, Ben Eagle, he's uh, head of special projects for SI, hugely uh, supportive uh, of this of this idea from from the beginning, uh, Ryan Hunt, uh, executive editor of SI.com. Thank you again for for again all the support, Dan Bloom, for at, letting us do this, for letting us do this. <laughs> uh, Dan Bloom at Panoply, uh, giving us confidence to just kind of do it and and rely on whatever it is that we have <laughs> uh, to actually get into this room and just talk about Olympics. Uh, each of those three, each of those three guys have been uh, hugely helpful. Yeah, the uh, Ben Eagle, the we came to with the idea many months ago, and he uh, he said go for it. And then after he listened to the first couple episodes, he came to me in the office like the day before he left for Rio, and he was like, you know, 
That first one was pretty good. I was a little skeptical, but I think this is going to be all right. And yeah. So thanks for uh, ringing endorsement. Thanks for even though you were skeptical at first, we appreciate uh, all, all the all the help and support and promotion and everything. That's the other thing that Ben Eagle does. I should have mentioned that uh, he's in Rio right now, kind of coordinating a lot of our editorial. He's coverage. at the games. He's he's literally at the <laughs> he's games. He's the at the games part he's, of yeah. the SI at the games podcast. So uh, so thank you to Eagle and uh, yeah. get home safe, man. All right. We also have many producers who have been here. We've been here until like five or six in the morning some nights working on this. There are other people who've been here with us either up early or uh, up up late or up early or up around the clock like we have been. And they've been helping to produce a lot of the stories coming in from Rio and help uh, promote this and put our stuff on the site and share it and uh, tag it in stories. So Bet Marston and Jamie Lasanti, two of our Olympics producers who've been awesome. And then the entire SI night staff has been great and helpful. In particular, Michael Blinn, Adam Pincus, and Ben Estes have done a lot of work uh, helping and, and getting this podcast in some of our stories. And so we wanted to thank them too. Yeah. Uh, just, if you happen to come across this podcast because it was embedded in an SI story, you have one of those uh, names to thank. So thank, thank them very much. Thank you, especially the night staff. Uh, they do hard work all around the clock. Uh, and it's it's a pleasure to work with them. Uh, I want to thank Lindsay Schnell uh, for doing so much work with the uh, reported stories that are on the same podcast feed uh, on Maria Koroleva and Ashley Johnson, this, uh, the synchronized swimmer in the water polo, uh, goalkeeper and English gardener. And what was the... Oh, Evan Jager. It's been a long... <laughs> we have not been, slept much. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time, man. Uh, Evan Jager, the steeplechase. Uh, she uh, really d- went above and beyond with the reporting for those stories. And uh, it was a pleasure for me to produce them. I think it added a lot to the feed. So thank you, Lindsay, uh, for for everything that you've done and and uh, and really staying up. Maybe she might be the one that can match us for just absolutely crazy hours uh, putting in overtime on this stuff. Those were great. And it was very nice. She added a little legitimacy to, oh, the, to the podcast yeah. feed. If you haven't listened to those yet, I know the games are over, but those are four great stories on four great athletes. And you're still welcome to go back and check them out because... They were all really well done, and, and you you did a lot of work producing those, Alex, so congrats to you, too. Thank you. One more SI staffer that we definitely want to thank is Chris Chavez. Oh, yeah. Who, I will say, I made fun of him a couple of times. make fun. We gave him a hard time a little bit, but Chris Chavez was on the ground in Rio and working very hard, and he also was very helpful in plugging our podcast and uh, giving us nice praise in his daily, like, what's coming up today roundups that he was doing for SI.com and, and helping us out on social. So shout out to Chris Chavez down in Rio helping us out. We uh, we appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. We had very few guests on this show, but we did have one episode. Uh, we were able to grab one Saturday in the middle when, <laughs> that we may have pre-taped on Friday. And our two guests were JJ Javale of the U.S. Women's Rugby Sevens and Richard Deitch, uh, senior editor, media writer here at SI.com. And so thanks to both of them for being on the show and helping to promote it. And, and Richard helped share with his audience before the podcast feed, before the Olympics even started. So thanks to both of them for giving us some time and coming on an episode. And also uh, to Priya Desai and Ibtihaj Muhammad. Uh, Ibtihaj Muhammad actually did an interview with Priya Desai. And Priya was kind enough uh, to let us uh, use the audio from that interview, which was for a video thing that she was doing also with SI. Uh, and that was a great way to, I think, kick off, of our, kick off our coverage. So thank you to both of them uh, for kind of getting us started on kind of a somewhat legitimate foot before we went uh, before we went full-time uh, a daily. And uh, and I think at the very end, we are going to thank, like we usually, uh, I mean, obviously a huge thank you to the listeners. Of we course. usually yeah, yeah. read feedback. We usually open the show with feedback, uh, emails and reviews and tweets and Facebook messages. And we've got so many of them. And we are incredibly thankful to everybody who has 
listened and helped make this such a fun experience for us. We're going to read some of those specifics and some of some good ones that we've gotten recently at the end of the show. But the last team that I wanted to thank before we get into the actual recap is just the rest of the SI social team, which is my day job in the office uh, when I'm not writing or podcasting. And uh, they moved the schedules around totally to help accommodate my hours. So uh, I was able to do this podcast largely because some of my other coworkers were working weekends and picking up other random shifts. And so I just wanted to make sure I thanked all of them too. And, yeah. And the schedule master, Bill Carey. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. Big, big ups to, to all, all, everybody at SI. Everybody. Let's just, thank let's just you, go SI. one by one. Everybody. Yeah. We wanted to thank everybody. And now that's, now we can take the rest of the credit. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. thanked enough people. But outside it's of everybody's them. podcast. It's our podcast. <laughs> it's but, it, but everybody, <laughs> but everybody played a hand. Now we've, now we've, I'm glad we started by thanking everybody. Yeah. But I think now, I think we need to, should we get to the sports? We should get to as the, as we like to say. We should get to the sports and we should get to the medals. Uh, in the oh sports. yeah, get to the medals um, because they're all awarded now. It's all over. They're done. It's done. Three hundred and six medals down, zero to zero go. to go. And of those three hundred and six, one hundred and twenty-one were won by the United States. Uh, Seventy by China, sixty-seven by Great Britain, fifty-six by Russia, and then a tie for fifth place with forty-two between Germany and France. So congrats to those countries. So I think it's I, I think it's fair to say the United States won the entire Olympics. <laughs> they had the most total and most gold, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, they had the most gold. They had forty six golds, and uh, the next, yeah, I think Great Britain is actually next with twenty seven. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So now the full sport, the every the all sport review. Let's go. And let's... I think we're gonna go alphabetical order sure. and just kind of we have a if, if you're listening for the first time, uh, because you missed the whole Olympics under your rock, um, we we go speed round. Sometimes we go in depth and sometimes we go speed round. And I think we're gonna try to go speed round for most of this, or else it would be uh like a four hour. We could easily do five more hours of podcast. I don't know if we can call it a speed round if a speed round lasts an hour and a half or well, however long it ends up Right, being. that's why. So we're going to try and go short. And um, do you want to start with archery? Because there are some sports that I know very well and that I spent a lot of time watching and there are some that I didn't. And to be quite honest, archery, which happens to be first alphabetically, is one that <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to remember a whole lot about archery. I will remember quite a bit about archery. Oh, I'll, remember, you're here. I'll, I'll, I'll remember a couple things. I'll remember that in the men's team final that the South Korean team was just money. Uh, they were hitting like nonstop tens. I, you know, I was looking for the U.S. to maybe rebound. They had won silver in 2012 and they were coming back. But South Korea put up, in terms of just a performance in a final event, so the South Korean team archery uh, was about as dominant as you can get, and as I saw in this entire Olympics. And I'll also remember Zaharin Namadi, the Iranian archer in a wheelchair who was also Iranian, uh, Iran's flag bearer for the opening ceremonies, and will also be competing in the Paralympics. I believe she's the first person ever to compete in both the Olympics and the Paralympics. So uh, it was great to see her and see her uh, compete, and she went, uh, she, she was competitive, she went relatively far, I don't think she got a medal, but uh, still uh, an amazing, uh, an amazing moment, an amazing uh, uh, character of the games, I would say. Very cool. Uh, moving on to, uh, it's second in, in alphabetical <laughs> order, uh, but we've been referring to it as track and field this whole time. But it's athletics. But it's athletics, and here it is, and... Uh, this one I spent a little more time it, watching than Archer. Are, were there any... You know, it's funny, like in, in all of athletics, I, there just wasn't any star power uh, this time around in the Olympics, right? Yeah. Um, Usain Bolt was <laughs> incredible. And it was very cool that, you know, we no matter what happened in this Olympics, we were going to look back at him as a legend. But it was very cool to see him 
be appreciated and still be that good. It was like we yeah. knew how great he was as we were watching it and as it was unfolding. And he totally delivered on every front, finished off the triple-triple, <laughs> even though I've I've laughed about the name. But he won the 100, the 200, and the 4x100 relay for the third consecutive Olympics. Did it with his usual flair. There are a couple of Usain Bolt moments, both involving him smiling in the middle of a race. That picture and, will be yeah, transmitted for years and years to come. Forever. Yeah. And uh, two pictures, one from Getty and one from Reuters. That's right, both, yeah. Both good pictures, as as many of us learned this, this week on social media. <laughs> I think only one of us learned that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bolt was incredible. There were others who are going to stand out. Um, I think we're going to remember the U.S. women's 4x100 relay forever who dropped the baton after getting bumped and then had to rerun the race on an empty track by themselves the image of to the, qualify. The and image won, of them doing won that. won gold after they got into it that way. I think that's something we'll talk about for a long time. Yeah. What else uh, What else do you think you'll remember from track and field? I mean, I'll remember Mo Farah yet again, just yep. dominating the uh, 5,000 and 10,000. Um, I'll remember all of the screams, the javelin screams and the hammer throw screams and the shot put screams. I want to um, say you you had a theory that you could tell the difference between those screams blind. I think I want to see like a year out from the Olympics if you could still tell the difference. That's a good that's a good <laughs> That'd idea. Be a fun that, little game. that would be a fun that would be a fun quiz show thing. Um, I'll remember Ashton Eaton. Yeah. Uh, once again, repeating in back the, to back uh, in decathlon the decathlon champ. And I'll and in terms of just not necessarily purely on track things, I'll remember Paul Chulimo, who found out in the post race interview that he was uh, disqualified from the five thousand meter race. I believe it was. Yeah. Okay. From the five thousand meter race, they went to him as next to the track, and they were like, "Oh, by the way, you were disqualified." I'm pretty sure it was five because I think he was silver behind Mo Farah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and his reaction was initially just one of complete shock, yeah. and then he handled the rest of the interview That's like a total champ. one of those live champ. TV moments that that uh, that we'll see. It in, was like it was a, it was a little uncomfortable, and I'll definitely remember it. Uh, it's it's something I'll definitely remember from these Olympics. Yeah, I have two more, and and this is a lot. I wonder how many of these will really stay right. with us forever. But a, a couple other highlights. That women's 5,000 meters race when the uh, yeah. the, two, the two runners were tripped and fell and the American helped. Was, she was from New Zealand, the one who fell, and, and uh, she helped her up and, and they both finished the race and then hugged at the finish line. That was a great moment. And then Van Nykerk when he won the 400 right. from lane eight and, and crushed Michael Johnson's world record time. Because that's, you know, next four years from now, we'll see. They'll put the world record time up and say, oh, oh yeah, yeah, from lane eight. We'll remember that. Because I don't usually remember what lane guys are in, but I think we'll remember lane eight. With some of these, like, I may not remember, for example, Paul Chalimo's name four years from now, but mm -hmm. I'll definitely remember, oh, remember that, that time image. that runner uh, got informed on live TV that he was disqualified and how awkward that was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, badminton. Did you watch any badminton? I watched very little badminton. Okay. So I went through the list of sports. I think there's only one sport that I watched zero minutes of the entire Olympics. All right. I don't know how that's possible because I we spent – there were days when I watched more than 24 hours of sports because yeah. I was on like three screens for more than eight hours. So right. I literally watched more than a day's worth. I watched very little badminton. I remember that somebody tweeted at us the picture of the Hawkeye technology. Yeah. And I remember being very impressed that they have that in badminton, but not, say, soccer in the Olympics. <laughs> right. um, but I did not watch a ton of badminton. And 2012 will still be always be more memorable to me when they were uh, throwing matches. So maybe that is a good sign that the yeah. badminton did not have controversy like it did in 2012 and that they fixed those issues. So... So good job, badminton. Yeah, uh, I felt I feel bad that I didn't watch uh, really much of it at all. 
Um, it's fun. I watched it a little, fun. but I don't. It's one of those that was like on the background TV for me a lot. Yeah, and, and but I didn't like get wrapped up in the storylines. And often much. those games were so early in the morning. I don't know why that was, that was tricky for but, us. But yeah. it was tricky for us uh, with our with our recording schedule. Uh, basketball. Did you watch any basketball? Match? I watched a lot of basketball. <laughs> I watched a lot of Team USA. I watched I watched a lot of Croatia. Um, Team USA, okay. <laughs> We've talked about this so many times on this podcast. I made a comment after Team USA's, I think it was their first game, maybe their second, when they played poorly in the first quarter against Venezuela. And I made the statement that Coach K is probably happy because it gives him something to yell at his players about and get them to focus. All right. Everybody, you win. I, I, I give up. I, I'm conceding this argument. They are, were probably not happy. Team, was- U- Team USA could have played better in this Olympics. They never really looked like a great team, but honestly, what that reinforces is just how much more talent they have. Yeah. That everybody keeps talking about how the rest of the world is catching up and they've got all these guys. USA played poorly and relied on talent alone and still was able to win. And they won the gold medal game by, I think, 30 points. You know, they had some close calls. They had some games they could have lost, but they were good enough when they needed to be. And, um, you know, it was exciting. There were fun games to watch. I, I do have to say that uh, low-key, my favorite inside re- repeating joke of this entire podcast was it's whenever the Coach K is, the Coach K is just like whenever you, I you look say, forward oh, well, to Coach K is really, this really is going to happen during Duke's season this <laughs> yeah. year. When if they have a bad half, somebody is going to tweet at me like I bet Coach K is happy about the first half when they're like tied with UNC well, cause Asheville. Because then he has coaching to do. I know. He's really oh, happy. Oh, my God. The other, the other great moment we, which we can't let this pass without saying Dario Saric's block yeah. that ended the Spain-Croatia game <laughs> and I know that I was all in and I was I hyped up the Saric mo- uh, before that even happened but that was a very cool moment yeah. and I personally being from Philly and as people know because I talk about it way too much but I'm very excited to watch the Sixers play this season and seeing Dario play uh, I think I got to see him play four or five games and that was cool and we should say a quick shout out to the USA women Absolutely. who were much better and more dominant than the men and won their sixth consecutive gold medal. And that'll be, I think, one of the big storylines in 2020. They'll be favored, obviously, but them going for a seventh consecutive team gold, which ties a record in any uh, team sport in the Olympics in history. So I think that'll be very cool. That and, would be amazing. Uh, and, and have to mention them. They were they were very good. What I will remember about basketball, besides the, the Coach K joke, is the one basketball game I actually watched in full, which was Brazil-Argentina. And I keep on bringing it up. Uh, but I totally lucked out that that was the one game I ended up watching because I feel comfortable with my wager that it was I probably the best game I kept telling you to watch more tournament. games, and then you said you would, and then you just didn't. And I just didn't. Uh, that game was so good, though. You it missed was, some good ones. Double but... double overtime between two huge rivals that were recognizable players. Manu Ginobili was great in that game, and the heir to Manu Ginobili, GW graduate and future NBA All-Star Patricio Garino was also good. He got some good minutes. Uh, it was in the middle of the day, so it was kind of out of nowhere that I ended up watching this game, but I'm really, really, really glad that it You did. keep hyping your George Washington guy. I will say I'm very excited to see C.J. McCollum playing for Team USA in the 2020 Olympics. That's right, yeah. Make it happen. Dude, the, the C.J. McCollum-Patricio Garino rivalry is just starting <laughs> just to starting. take bloom. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that on the international stage. <laughs> All right, let's move on to beach volleyball, which I know we both watched a ton of. Yeah. And not only because it was the last thing at night and we'd have to wait for it to end before we could tape our podcast. But that was a but large that was reason why. Big part of it. Um, uh, those I'll remember. Yeah, those games starting ridiculously late at night, but still being but packed. Still be, and the Brazilian being, yeah. and Brazil is an hour ahead behind. They're an hour ahead of, hour of ahead. Eastern Standard Time. It would start at midnight. We're in New York. We're not at the games. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so watching uh, watching those start uh, so late and the crowd. And I know the crowd was. Um, you know, there. I don't. I, 
what's the word I'm looking for? There was uh, there were a lot of people who were concerned. Or that it got a lot of attention that many games were not well attended in many other sports. Right. But beach volleyball and anytime Brazil played soccer were two of the sports when that was not an issue. Right. And it was a full gym and everybody was into it and going nuts the whole time. And it was that was a great atmosphere. We saw some great games. We got the one matchup we wanted. It was crazy to see Kerry Walsh Jennings and April Ross finally lose. Right. And then we thought the whole time they were on this crash course to face Larissa and Toledo from Brazil. They ended up both losing semifinals, meeting each other in the bronze medal game. And then it was a great bronze medal game. It was a great bronze medal game. Yeah, I'll I'll remember just the whole tracking of Walsh Jennings and Ross uh, seeing their first loss or Walsh Jennings' first loss. After three Olympic after gold. Three, and by the way, I'll remember Olympics. how happy she looked holding that bronze medal. Yeah. Because you think sometimes these athletes, you wonder if they get spoiled, like if, they, if they're used to gold and they only care about gold. She was genuinely happy. I'm sure she's disappointed. But she was very happy to win that night and have that bronze medal, and that was cool to see. And I'll also remember that the German team was, uh, whose the names of the players are escaping me for uh, some reason. Uh, uh, Wachenhorst. There we go. Wachenhorst. And uh, I don't remember the second. But I know one was Wachenhorst. But the point is, they were very good, and by far... <laughs> The, the it's now this is makes it makes it sad that we didn't have their names written down but uh <laughs> by, by far the 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 tournament's best team they yeah they did only they lost. upset both top brazilian teams in the semis and the finals and they only lost i believe one set the entire tournament so yeah, they uh, were great so they were great um as for boxing i didn't watch that much of it outside of the shakur stevenson and clarissa shields fights um shakur stevenson i'll, I'll remember watching just because uh it was a it was such a close fight and when it comes down to a decision it's it's almost like a coin flip uh and i'll i'll definitely remember like he's only 19 he'll be around for a long time so i'll be able to say for a while that I, that's right i remember watching shakur stevenson in the olympics before he was you know making before floyd bayweather was <laughs> was promoting him before and getting floyd, him, exactly you know piles uh, of money yeah. right and clarissa shields as well i it, she was she was dominant in in her uh, in her gold medal fight today um, I'll also, of course, remember Michael Conlon's rant. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And and those are great moments, uh, Shields and Stevenson. And we should also mention Nico Hernandez, who yeah, kind of unexpectedly uh, won a medal. Michael Conlon, though, I mean, this, again, this was a bad Olympics for boxing, yeah. I think. And, and maybe of all the sports, they might have had, like, the worst uh, actual, like, sport for their sport, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, they, it's a sport that has dealt with so much corruption and accusations of corruption in the past. Michael Conlon, the uh, the very good Irish boxer who lost a match that everybody thought that he won, and then basically people accused it of being fixed. He accused it of being fixed. He cursed on TV in an epic rant, and then he and pointed then he out pointed out that he, that he didn't care that he was cursing on <laughs> right. TV. Which sorry to laugh at it, but it was, it was that's like was, the best part of great, the rant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, every, by all accounts, he should have moved on. And then he was actually supposed to then fight Shakur Stevenson in the semifinal. And then his opponent ended up not fighting. So Stevenson moved on to the finals. I don't know if he, you know, that that Shakur Stevenson would have gotten a silver medal uh, if not for this happening. But then and then even the next day, the judges were sent home, which yeah. like was almost like an admission of guilt that something shady had gone on. But they so they sent the refs home, but they didn't let Conlon fight. And it's just, you know, it was weird. It was a mess. That's only one weight class. And I but I, you know, I think other people are talking about other weight classes and other matches, and, and I don't know the full scope because I mostly tuned into American fights. But, um, you know, I was very excited for boxing. Yeah. And they changed some of the scoring, and they took off the headgear for the men. One thing I did like, I just I noticed this uh, – 
that they would show the score between rounds, which yeah. when you're watching a real boxing match, you're like doing the score in your head and you're thinking, oh, I think he got this round. I think he got that round. I think he lost this one. And I liked how they would just be like, here is the score so that everyone knows. It was a little bit and, more uh, user friendly. Yeah, yeah, better to follow and, and nice. But um, but overall for boxing, it was, you know, they still they have issues they have to fix. Yeah. Uh, how about canoe? I did end up watching quite a bit of uh, canoe kayak, but almost entirely in the slalom. Yeah. I didn't watch too much of the sprinting, even though I I know from having watched it in 2012 that the uh, sprint, the, especially the canoe sprinters that are down on one knee, just look awesome. It just look they just look like the coolest dudes on the planet. Um, what I'll remember is watching the kayak slalom and the the goofiness. Of, of the guys riding it uh, and and the weird kind of camaraderie they had in the single boats uh, after they got down to the end. I can't remember the name. The, there were people that were like just pushing and pl- pushing each other and one guy that was like playing a prank on one, at one guy by like sneaking up behind him and literally pushing him so his boat went underward. <laughs> so he flipped over like a duck or capsized. something like that. Like, yeah. Capsized, yeah. Uh, and then he like flipped back up and was laughing and everybody was having a good time. It's just like... <laughs> The Olympics, one of my favorite moments just generally across sports in the Olympics are when the athletes greet each other at the end of whatever it is they're doing, whether it's a game or a race or whatever. Uh, and it's really cool just to see their behavior afterwards. And that usually they're very congratulatory or friendly towards each other after competing really hard. And for some reason, it just hit me more in, in kayak than it did in any yeah. other one because they were just especially, they seem to all be in especially buoyant moods. <laughs> oh, God, terrible. I will not miss your puns. Um, one thing that I will hopefully remember for the rest of my life is that you canoe and kayak with a paddle and you row with an oar, right. which I definitely right. got wrong. I think I called them all, uh, What I think I called them all oars. Oars, yeah. And we had a very nice... Uh, self-described kayak nerd who wrote in and, and corrected us. And that was when we really got on a roll with uh, letting listeners tell us what we got wrong and <laughs> right. reading them on, on the air. Because there was that great moment when you were talking about, and that, I love that same day with the slalom whitewater, uh, yeah. which I called the Ninja Warrior of the Olympics. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just like a two-minute race and they, they go one at a time over the same course. And it's like perfect television, like Ninja Warrior, where you could just get lost watching that for three hours and I remember the the mustachioed Italian man who threw his paddle out of frustration. Right. And it was, like, so intense. And, you know, I know it's serious. It's the Olympics. These guys want to win. But it was just, like, funny. It was a little funny to it was funny. to see it. And, um, and, and yeah, like you said, I, I did not know from 2012 about the – the one, the like kneelers who were on one knee with the canoe. And that was it, was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this a lot, too. Yeah, they're great. All right, shall we move on to cycling? You watch a ton of cycling. I I'll watch let you start. I like I, my note for this here is just says is just in all caps says there was so much good cycling <laughs> because because there was I I can't remember the last time I've watched so much cycling uh, over such a condensed period of time, but there was so much uh, competition, and I think this is the Olympics. You know, maybe next to handball, uh, cycling is the sport that made the biggest impact. That made me want to say, hey, I want to watch more of that on a regular basis. That you know, outside of the Olympics. Uh, and it doesn't really matter the format. Uh, and it's a shame, I feel, it's a shame to say this, but a lot of what I'll remember from this specific Olympics are the crashes. Yeah, uh, that, and the one big one in particular. Well, and th- there were big there ones. There were a few, but... There yeah. were a few big ones in just about every format of race. 
uh, in the road race, uh, Vincenzo Nibali broke his collarbone, uh, and he was le- he was leading the race or near the front uh, at the time that he did that. An Iranian rider was injured, flipped over his handlebars. There was the big one that you're talking about, which was the I believe was the women's road race is the one you're referring to, where yeah. Annemiek uh, Van Fluten she flipped over the handlebars and had to be hospitalized really badly. She yeah, it, that, and when she was winning the race, like, yeah. coming down toward the end, that was uh, that was. That was brutal. To really, watch. really, really scary. Um, there was, but that wasn't it. There was the Australian track cycling team that had a really nasty one in practice and uh, kind of affected their team for the rest of the run. There was a less terrible one on the track where a Dutch rider, Lorraine Van Riesen, had to ride horizontally on yeah. the wall surrounding the track to avoid it. That is one of the best and probably the most lasting pictures of the Olympics. Somebody, uh, some wire photographer, I don't know which service it was, but they were it perfectly positioned to catch her almost at a at a. Uh, complete horizontal angle, <laughs> Bil- having built up so much speed just to like, that was all she could do to get out of the way of this crash. Yeah. Um, there was a, then today on the mountain bike course, there were crashes where guys were going down these mountainous jagged paths and their tire would get caught and then they'd fling over the handlebars into rocks. And they were, you know, it was crazy. Like, yeah. I can't believe people do this. But at the same time, it was, there was a lot of really, really great competition. There was also crashes on the BMX course. Yeah. Um, Pretty much everywhere there, there were crashes, but all of the competition was really tight and good, and uh, it was it was a joy to watch, kind of no matter the format. For I'll, me. I'll remember that road course mostly, though, and yeah, there was some controversy that, that the course was just too tough and hilly, and part of it was that it happened to rain, and it was like one of yeah. those light rains where the, where everything just gets slick. Another thing I'm gonna remember that I think is I'm gonna think about like anytime I see cycling, not just Van Vluten, but Mara Abbott, the yeah. American. We talk so much about winners and uh, and you know and they get labeled as heroes and and triumphs and all that. And there were some heartbreaking losses in many different sports. And this was one of the worst. This was and one of the worst. Absolutely. This was like two weeks ago. So after Van Vluten crashed and was out of the race, Mara Abbott was like alone in first. And it came down to the final final stretch, and she got passed by three riders and ended up not even meddling. And that and she was just so spent after the race. That was of all the losses, that is high on the list of, of one of the the toughest. It almost it almost worked to her disadvantage that the person in front of her uh, in the lead for the race crashed because then she was all by herself and she couldn't use anybody else to drift behind or anything yeah. like that. She was all <laughs> on her own, and it was it was a matter of time. It was like this disaster you saw coming, uh, but you kind of hoped wouldn't happen, and then it did, and it yeah. was. It was disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll remember that too. Uh, how about diving? Did you watch much diving? I did not watch a lot of diving. I watched Steele Johnson and David Badaya, who yeah. won, uh, I think they won a silver in the pairs uh, synchronized diving. And I remember that I was not that into diving, and then I saw them in that particular routine and was very impressed. Yeah. Uh, diving is one that I never get that excited about. But then I watch it, and I'm like, you know, that's that's pretty good. They're good. Uh, I watched a, a few dives. Tom Daly from Great Britain who won in uh, 2012, had a very disappointing Olympics, and I saw some of that over the last couple of days. But uh, I, I didn't watch a ton of diving, and and I bet if you ask me uh, four years from now, well, actually, I might remember the name Steele Johnson. Yeah. I don't know that I'll remember David Badaya. Um, if Diving, like, like what you mentioned for badminton, was a sport that was constantly on in the background for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like I did watch quite a bit of it, but I couldn't tell you a lot about it. Um, diving, even going in, I knew was just not really my favorite Olympic sport. I, I will admit that it requires an insane amount of skill 
Oh and, yeah, that I'm not even close. That, I can't that, even dive exactly. like off of the wall next to the pool. Right. Like I, like, right yeah. Exactly. Oh, on the list of sports that I could never even attempt, this diving is, is pretty high this for might me. Be, yeah. This might be number one. The road race and cycling's on that list too, but I could at least like get off and walk the bike to the finish line. Like, <laughs> right. I don't think I could get it. I could, don't think I could dive. Um, but. But yeah, it's it's sad to say once again something that doesn't have anything directly to do with the athletes. But you know, I'll remember the green pool. Oh yeah, yeah I did not <laughs> even it, have when, that on my list. When, when the water that turned, was weird. <laughs> when the water turned green out of nowhere, and there was what was weird about it wasn't it wasn't even necessarily the fact that the water turned green. It was that they didn't it know was that they why. Didn't know why? <laughs> and they and gave was, us many reasons why. There was like there was like an international inquest into like why why is the water green and yeah. nobody could tell us. For days. Yeah, that was weird. And it was it was really That's one of those when we remember the Rio Olympics and how much concern there was leading up to it. Like we still talk about Sochi and some of the other sites in Athens that they were worried about going in. And when we talk about Rio, we'll say, well, they got most of the venues ready, but the pool water did turn green. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um well, equestrian, I think we both have the same number one. Yeah. It's a hot one. It's a trot one. Uh, <laughs> the smooth horse was the first memorable equestrian thing that I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Yeah. And I will remember the smooth horse until the day I die. Smooth horse forever. I think that might be, uh, other than maybe the Usain Bolt photo, that you know, it's, it's in the top three viral things to come out of these Olympics. Well, that and the other one is the viral Katie Ledecky swimming and the send the same smooth song where, where <laughs> yes. she gets all, where uh, they get through the whole instrumental part all the way to Man, It's a Hot One before the other swimmers touch the touch the wall. But yeah, this this went viral more than than maybe anything other than the ball. I think you're totally right. I have to say the only thing more surprising than the increase of just the weird like random decision the internet made that that they decided that smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas is all of a sudden funny like <laughs> that this was a decision made by just everybody on the internet like at some point earlier this year that that song is just really hilarious and should be quoted all the time and the fact that that decision was made months and months and months and months and months <laughs> and ago this, and then the writer had up, no idea <laughs> the writer this writer was oblivious. busy training his horse and had no idea that this would be so popular he's from Spain he did not know that in the United States this would go over so well. We had a segment on our daily show, FOMO, where we talked about what we feel bad that we missed. This might be my biggest FOMO of the entire Olympics is that I was not watching this live. Right. It was one of those nights I went to bed at like 6 a.m. and this happened at 9.30 and uh, and I just, I missed Smooth Horse. But the replays are incredible yeah. and we salute you forever, Smooth Horse. They will live on forever. Uh, yeah. how, how about fencing? I have to admit that my memories for this particular sport are 100% just related to this podcast and the experience of doing this podcast uh, because now I know that they are called weapons and not swords. <laughs> I was think I was half kidding when I was calling them swords, but I did explain yeah. the difference that the, the three uh, different classifications of fencing are broken down by their weapon and that they have different rules. I think I will remember for a long time that saber is the one when you can, and I think I use the term, Whack sl- people. slash them with the side of the blade, whereas epi and uh, foil, you epi. have to hit them epi with just the tip. And uh, and saber, you can slash him with the blade, even though I know that's not the official term. But anyway, it was cool to see uh, the Americans win some medals. Ibtiaj Muhammad, who we talked about at the top, uh, won a medal. She got a lot of attention for being the first ever American athlete to compete in the Olympics wearing a hijab. And she won in the team saber, along with Mariel Zagunis, who I believe had won uh, two individual gold medals. And then they won um, for the team saber. Um, 
Alexander Masialis is the name of the American man who won a medal in fencing. And I remember that I missed that. And that was another <laughs> one of my uh, pieces of FOMO. I definitely watched more fencing in this Olympics than I have in Olympics past, partly because I was more interested in the personalities and the Americans doing it. But I didn't spend a ton of time. But it was entertaining. And I like it. It's a nice and quick, like, we're going to 15, and it's one point per round. Yeah. And, and uh, it's very, even if you don't know the rules, it's easy to just watch and follow and pick up. I actually had kind of the opposite experience. I watched a fair amount of fencing, not a lot, but a fair amount, and it just never really 100% connected with me. It's, it was just it was just too hard to figure out like who won points and, and when, like the margins for who touched who first are just way, way, way too small. And like, was, I don't know how they judge like, it. Like, I don't the know judging how they, of that, yeah. that's the tough, of all the sports that I would never be able to judge, it's that yeah. one. Uh, so that was confusing to me, but uh, you know what, I'll, like I, I wasn't, it didn't repel me. I was just like a little confused by it and never really connected. And I'll definitely, it's one I'll definitely have to give another shot in four years. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. How about field hockey? I loved field hockey. We had like, this is definitely a surprise for me. I really enjoyed the sport. And this is definitely a sport that was aided uh, by the fact that we had the quadrathlon going on. I think so too. Because uh, we watched a lot more men's field hockey. Right. The Team USA women were awesome. They won their first four games. And then they lost that last game in pool play against Great Britain to finish second in their pool and then ended up losing their first one in the in the knockout round. And that was a bummer. I loved watching that Team USA where they were basically all from Philly. Yeah. Uh, Katie Bam from the Wissahickon Bluebell area. Bam. Bam. Um, thanks, Emerald. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it was cool for me to see that, that they're all uh, they were all basically local. But they were fun and they were really good. And it was a shame they ended early. Um the men's was great. We enjoyed watching it. The penalty shootouts are incredible. Are great. Which they yeah. did not have in group play. So we found out about them kind of late in the games. But those are the ones where you can you can shoot. And then even if the goalie blocks it, you can get the rebound and just keep going. Yeah. And field hockey was, was a blast. It you're, contained... you're right. It made my very, very short list of sports that I enjoyed a lot more than I expected to. There were days when we were like planning the podcast and we're like, well, we can't talk about field hockey the whole time. <laughs> right. Like, what do we want to talk about besides field hockey? We did 20 minutes on it yesterday. I mean, I think you and I would both agree that maybe the best game of the entire Olympics in terms of just, at least the most dramatic game of the entire Olympics came in field hockey. And yep. yeah, I don't even, I won't, I didn't even have to look up the name of the German guy that scored the goal <laughs> at the end to beat New Zealand because I knew it. It's Florian Fuchs. And that name that will, be, will be seared into my memory forever because yeah. they had the most incredible comeback <laughs> There's against that, New Zealand. That's one of the great, that's one of the most emotional moments of this podcast. You broke out that 30-second clip of me going, losing my mind over the, yeah. the, the Germany-New Zealand field hockey. That was the highest my voice got the whole three weeks. It was that so... Was, that was just a spectacular sports moment in a random sport. I think, like I said at the time, six people in the U.S. were watching it. Yeah. And we were two of them. But that was, it was, it was a fun game and i like any sport where you can have a comeback like that at and the if, end if new zealand hangs on and wins that game yeah then i it win the all then i win the quadrathlon right, we've talked too. enough about the quadrathlon uh, i think we gotta get over it i the other thing i'll take i'll take away from uh, field hockey is that that corner play the the corner penalties that they have yeah it's really cool. fun where the whole defense gets in the gets goal in the goal <laughs> yeah they, like run out together at the same time really fun it made yeah. me like i was i was upset that i didn't know that that was a part of field hockey before going in i felt like i you know it's a major part of the game I yeah know i didn't it. know that but until i didn't know one it. i don't think i watched much of it in 2012 or 2008 right but glad I did now, and I'll, it'll be on my radar for 2020. Yeah. Next so, up, a sport that uh, a sport you definitely watched. I watched a little of it too. I watched quite a bit of this soccer. This is uh, on our alphabetical list. We have uh, football parentheses soccer. Right. So I guess we'll just go for it now. Yeah. Uh, how about that, Neymar? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the the moment that Neymar stepped up to take the penalty 
uh, at the Maracana in the gold medal game against Germany uh, is one of the defining moments of the Olympics and one of the defining soccer moments maybe of this uh, of this decade so far. It was just a, it was just a huge headline moment. Uh, and the fact that he buried the penalty and the entire nation went nuts uh, w- was amazing. Um, I'll also remember on the women's side, the U.S.'s disappointing performance uh, here, the fact that they just couldn't uh, break through and score a goal against a Sweden team that was very, very well organized and deserved their passage to the final once they eventually Not made it there. Not cowardly. Not cowardly, uh, as Hope, Hope Solo, Solo said. Yeah, her quotes, these are going to follow her forever. She's had other plenty among, of other stories that will follow her things, forever, yeah. but this is just... This will be added to the list, and this is one that uh, that people will remember. I'm, I hope that I remember Nigeria, by the oh, way. Oh, of course. The men's you team gotta... that took the bronze. That first night, I think it, I don't remember if it was night negative two or night negative one, but that first day when they were on the plane, they woke up in Atlanta the day of their first win in Brazil, and their uniforms didn't make it. In the opening ceremony, they walked in their like tracksuit, like warm-up jackets because they didn't have their opening ceremony clothes. Right. And to come in and score, they scored a bunch, maybe five goals that night in that first game. I think they won 5-4 or 5-3. And five, then went three, all yeah. the way into the, uh, to the, the bronze medal match and won a bronze medal. And that was just a great story, and I'm really happy for them. And, and that, was, that was one of my favorites. Like, Brazil, I know it was... You know, they were expected to win, I think. They were the favorites that everybody was talking about whether or not they'd win. But Nigeria was just a team that came out of nowhere, and it was cool to see them have that. Yeah, I'll, I'll also remember that the U.S. men uh, weren't involved in this. I yeah. mean, that, that was disappointing. It was disappointing that they lost uh, to Honduras uh, in the qualification for this tournament. It's a, kind of a huge missed opportunity for U.S. men's soccer. Uh, that being said, Honduras ended up making the, gold, the bronze medal game. So it's not like we lost to a terrible team. They performed very well for themselves, and they nearly won the bronze medal, by the way. They came back and uh, and made it hard for Nigeria there at the end. It was a fun tournament. I mean, Olympic soccer is always a little bit weird, especially on the men's side, but uh, a lot to remember from this for sure. Uh, golf, however, I watched none. Uh, <laughs> I watched none, I watched, really? I watched none golf. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, watched, uh, I watched a lot of the men's. Um, it was just a good, like, weekend morning sport, yeah. which, similar to when golf is normally similar on to TV. Do, similar to but golf. I had a yeah. couple of relaxing mornings when I was like, I'll just throw the golf on the TV and uh, flip around between a bunch of different sports on uh, streaming online. And I just, I'll remember, because it was the first golf in the Olympics since I think 1904 was the the layoff. And they were, they were both good tournaments that came down to the 72nd hole. I think Justin Rose, who won the men's, this is something that'll get talked about, you know, when, when you're watching golf and it's in a major and they talk about, well, remember this guy won the Masters in this year and they, they sort of go over their history. I think this is going to be on that level for him. He had a hole-in-one on Thursday, the first hole-in-one ever in golf. That's amazing. Ended up winning by a shot on the 72nd hole. And uh, and it was cool. And I think we're going to see Justin Rose in the Ryder Cup and we're going to see him in, in other big golf tournaments and majors and things. And I think this will follow him around. And I watched a little bit of the women's uh, back nine on Sunday. And I'll remember that they were both entertaining tournaments. And I still – I've said this a few times now, but I'm hoping there will be a team format someday. Um, I was a little skeptical of the uh, the individual stroke play format, but I think it was cool the golfers who actually showed up uh, took it seriously. And I would bet in 2020 – I don't know how much of it was the Zika and how much of it was just not wanting to travel all the way to, there to play for free. But after seeing this in 2016, I would imagine that a lot more golfers will – the top men's players will come in 2020 for Tokyo. Okay, now that we've uh, gotten all of our golf talk in for the last <laughs> time – 
Uh, Thanks for your contributions. Yeah. Oh, th- I, I love golf. I just didn't watch any of it. <laughs> Do you love golf, really? No, I've okay, n- I never yeah. watched golf. That's okay. why I didn't watch golf this time. Even like the Masters? <laughs> All right, whatever. No. Okay. I've can count, I can count on one hand the number of times I've ever watched golf. Oh, I'm surprised by that. Okay. Why? I don't know. Like you never like Tiger Woods in his prime? Eh. All right. Well, you said we concluded our golf and then we went on for another 30 and then we went, Okay. So yeah. now... Boom. What are we doing Done now? with golf. Now we're going to take a break. Our last commercial break. Our last commercial break. All right, let's do uh, this. And then uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about gymnastics, uh, trampoline, judo, marathon, swimming, rugby, oh, marathon weightlifting, volleyball. So There's good. so much. Uh, we're gonna, and we're going to have some listener, uh, listener emails and Facebook messages and everything. So uh, stick around. We'll be back. We're not going anywhere. 30 seconds. Hey, sports fans. Whatever style you rock, it all starts with the sneakers. Finish Line can hook you up with the latest sneakers to make sure your first impression is the one that lasts. With the latest styles from all of your favorite brands like Nike, Adidas, Jordan, and Under Armour, Finish Line has the latest and greatest sneakers. Whether you're hitting the gym or the streets, Finish Line has you covered. Put it this way, their shoes are so fresh they should come with a podium. Check out finishline.com for the latest sneakers for the back to school season and keep your game fresh. Welcome back to Very Olympic Today, the final edition. We're going through all of the sports. <laughs> I forgot to ask you at the top how you're feeling, by the way. I'm feeling very Olympic today. And how are you going to feel tomorrow? Not very Olympic. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be asleep. Very, I'm going to be uh, non-Olympic. Yeah. Very non-Olympic tomorrow. Unless I watch Cool Runnings, because I'm going to have a little free time. I can't stand That's, any more Shout Olympics. out to Cool Runnings, by the way, yeah. and Sanka for giving us the title of the show, Very Olympic Today. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving on <laughs> to... Kiss my lucky egg. <laughs> All right, we have to stop now. Okay. Or else this could go on for a long time. Uh, gymnastics. Uh, was there anything, uh, any kind of dominating performance had happened in gymnastics? Obviously. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's tough, tough to choose a single team or maybe a person. That... SI cover uh, <laughs> yeah. athlete Simone Biles, who had one of the most dominating performances in the history of the sport and is being considered by many the greatest gymnast of all time. So I guess there but was other than that, that. Yeah. Um, no, she was awesome. Four gold medals and a bronze. All the expectations were on her, and people thought she had a chance to get five golds, which obviously would have been very difficult. It was unprecedented. And even though she didn't do it, four golds is amazing, and she still performed so great with so much pressure on her. She was almost perfect in the all-around uh, for the individual and in the team, which you know are probably the two most important, I'd say. Yeah. And then she took uh, two out of the other three, that she was uh, competing in when they got to the different apparati, apparatuses. That's been an, that's another one of my favorite long-running inside jokes right. is people who <laughs> don't know if we know what it is. <laughs> like, we've gotten tweets about that, too. But uh, but the apparatus side, uh, Simone, <laughs> Simone was great. Um, one thing that I hope people remember, Gabby Douglas was really freaking good. Yeah, she, she was awesome. She finished third in the individual all-around, and people gave her such a hard time. She was... Uh, not eligible, or sorry, not in the individual all-around. She was third in the qualifying and therefore was not able to compete in the individual all-around where, because you can only take two per country. Right. A rule that I believe was created basically because of the United States being so deep and so dominant. Right. But she basically, in the qualifying round, was the third best gymnast in the world. And people are talking about her like she had a disappointing Olympics and they got mad at her about her being on the podium and standing differently without her hand over her heart. I took that screenshot of her... 
watching Simone Biles on the beam during the actual beam uh, routine at the end and seeing how intently she was watching. She was there. She cared. She performed very well. So many people gave her a hard time, which I feel bad about. She'll always be remembered for 2008 and or 2012, sorry, and how great she was winning the all-around gold in London. But she also was very good early. And, uh, and, you know, I think it's a shame. I hope people remember her more for her good, uh, good stuff than the bad. Well, I mean, and it's not, it's not even like she had bad stuff. I know people it just interpret people it. People just interpret. People are hot taking. People and, just interpret stuff that has yeah. no especially huge meaning to be these big overwrought things and making a big deal out of nothing because they get clicks and attention for doing that. And that's really sad because there's a real person at the center of all that. Who's uh, 20, Who's by the 20 way. and who, by the way, is also incredibly good at what yeah. she does. Yeah. It's ridiculous that the whole kerfluffle over, over her and her supposed not uh, not unity with her team and her not putting her hand over her heart for the for the national anthem yeah. it was it's just ridiculous yeah, who cares there were so many other athletes that did the, the same, same thing here for sure. um the other thing that I'll remember just to hit another member of the of the uh, of the US team Ali Raisman I she kept great, yeah. I kept on coming I kept on coming back to her throughout the competition because at first I missed a lot of what she did and then I was finally able to watch a lot of her uh, performances both individual and as part uh, of the individual events and she's awesome I mean I feel like the choice between her and Simone Biles is almost just a preference uh, just a matter of preference if you're not a judge that actually has to factor in difficulty uh, because Ali Raisman, for me... For entertainment value, you thought she was just as fun to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because every single landing, everything that she did was technically uh, perfect. Uh, she she stuck every single landing. There was never any bounce. Uh, totally in control. Uh, amazing. Uh, and she'd be the all-around gold medalist if Simone Biles didn't exist. Exactly. She, you know, and, and by some distance too. Like, yeah. like she. If it weren't for Simone Biles, we would all, all we'd be talking about. They really Sally the team. They dominated the team competition, and Biles is not the only reason. It took right. uh, great efforts from others, and now there's buzz. I saw the interview with her and, and Simone Biles and Bob Costas, and they were talking about how maybe she'll come back in 2020, which she once thought would be impossible. Yeah. But now she's thinking about it, and Simone Biles is thinking about it. You know, I hope. I hope they're enjoying their vacation. Like, like we'll enjoy <laughs> like our we time will, off. Yeah. And uh, and Laurie Hernandez, who we didn't talk about that much, but she's only sixteen. Yeah. And so you'd think she's got a great shot to come back in Tokyo. I mean, who knows? Some other sixteen-year-old will be incredible <laughs> the, then too. But um, but it, you know, this was a a, a great uh, cast of characters, a, a roster that they had, and uh, and you know, they were all very successful. Madison Koshin too, just to name all five of them. Right. And, uh, and you know, it'll be fun to see how many of them come back or how many of them are at the World Championships the next couple of years. But all of them, just the stacked team, and they dominated, and they were great. And then uh, did you watch any men's gymnastics? Should we even – I won't remember any I, – I really don't think I'll remember. I'll remember – actually, I'll remember the two big injuries. There was the guy, I think, was he from Germany who might have torn his ACL and then competed on the pummel horse afterwards? I'm not 100% sure. Sorry if we got that wrong. There was the – there was the one who broke his leg. It just, like, snapped. I think he might have been from France. Yeah, that, that and then does, there was, yeah. I think he was from France, and then there was the German, and and people were talking about how because they changed the scoring system and you're no longer going up to 10, people are just trying to get these astronomical scores, and they just kind of blamed the scoring system on injuries, although I don't really love that as a yeah. as an explanation. But I will remember that guy performing hurt and, and basically doing the pummel horse on a torn ACL, which is That's crazy. insane. Yeah. Uh, I'll remember the two uh, Brazilians. I remember Diego Hifaludo was one of them. Um, winning uh, silver and bronze in the individual event in uh, in gymnastics uh, behind behind Max Whitlock of Great Britain, 
they had an awesome performance and the response from the crowd, as we'll come back to and have mentioned many times on the podcast, was really unbelievable, especially because they were not favored uh, to medal in this particular competition, but they did. And uh, Max Whitlock also took, I believe, Great Britain's first uh, gold in, a, in an individual uh, gymnastics event in, in on the male side. So uh, that was awesome to see. I did watch some male gymnastics, but it just wasn't as much of a headline event. As, I watched very as, little of yeah. it. I really I budgeted my gymnastics time for the <laughs> USA women, and uh, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Uh, how about rhythmic gymnastics? How how much of your time did you budget? I watched for that? a little. I definitely watched more than I have in years past. Partly because I knew we were obligated to try and watch everything and talk about it. And I came away impressed by their skills. Yeah. This I feel the same way about rhythmic and trampoline, which we'll get to next. Which is that I would not be heartbroken if they disappeared from the Olympics catalog. But while they're there, you know, I I tuned in and I watched and I was very impressed by the athletes and it was kind of fun to watch and see what they can do. The ball was was more fun than I remembered. Yeah. And I watched a little bit of the clubs and the uh, the ribbon, just one routine on the ribbon. I did not see any with the hoop, I don't think. I caught a little bit of the team, which was, like, nuts. I think I kind of forgot that they have this team routine where five of them are out there at the same time. Yeah. So I only saw a little. I don't have a ton to say. But, but I will give it more of a shot again. I'm not, like, some people are like anti-rhythmic like it's not a sport whatever and and you know i i can appreciate the athleticism that it takes to be able to do that you know who would be bummed if uh if the rhythmic gymnastics program was uh, deleted from the olympics who would be bummed my mom oh <laughs> my mom would be really bummed she sent me a text she only sends me texts when she's yelling at me because we completely missed uh, a, a certain thing on the show and in this case she had to she sent a long text reminding me that rhythmic gymnastics are awesome and one of her favorite things, and we better talk about it on that. And then show. we did, and you and told me did. about that text, yeah. and I happened to uh, to have watched it earlier and we were that day. Mom, we were planning to do it anyway. Sure, I watched it. Hey, I saw it. Uh, so yes, I did watch a little bit of it. Maybe not as much as you did. It sounds like uh, it's always fun to see. Again, it's one of those ones that I had on the in the background and would occasionally go like, "Oh wow, that looks very very cool and hard to do and very skillful." Um, trampoline. I didn't see very much of. Uh, it's only on two days. Yeah, so exactly. It's hard it was, to catch there was, it. There was a limited window, and I just, I just, for whatever reason, couldn't find time to actually see it. I know you watched some of it, though. I watched a little. I wrote down on my notes sheet. I, I also wrote impressive and fun. Was yeah. what I wrote. Uh, which is, and like I said, similar to rhythmic. I'll think of them uh, similarly. It was cool. We had our trampoline coverage was mostly confined to which sports in the Olympics would be improved by the presence of a trampoline. Yeah. Um, which we came away by thinking most of them. Most. Or many of all, them. All, yeah. Yeah, all of them, even trampoline with another, <laughs> right. add a second trampoline. Um, it kind of makes sense that it's only for two days, but I'm glad that I tuned in. If it's only a two-day event, I'm glad that I saw at least a little bit of it. Um, now let's move on to my new favorite sport. Yeah, another one of our podcast darlings. One of the podcast, team handball. And we were talking about this before, that this is the sport that maybe most uh, benefited from having live streams available of every single game. Yep. And that I would entirely agree with because those games were so rarely on television, but they were also so often the most exciting team games that I saw in these entire Olympics. They were so much fun. And yeah, like it helps that we did the quadrathlon and we've had teams in men's and women's handball. So we ended up watching a lot of handball. We did. Um, but, worth it. I regret but totally nothing. worth it. I regret nothing too. It was sorry, great. men's gymnastics. My time was better spent yeah. watching handball. And the the thing that I'll remember because we watched so much of both of both sides, men's and women's. I was kind of struck by the fact that you know often I, I have this experience with soccer, men's soccer and women's soccer. Yeah, it's the same game, but it's played 
uh, a, very differently uh, between men's and, w- and women's soccer. There's and maybe it's just because I watched a lot, watch a lot more of it. I can definitely tell the difference between uh, the two games. Men's and women's handball is played, as far as I could tell, exactly the same. That's an interesting point. Same... Men's and women's basketball is different, too, yeah. in the same sense. Because the men's game, there's obviously a lot of dunking, and in the women's game, there's a lot less. But you're right, thinking about it, that the games have the same look and feel. They have the, the same and look women's. and feel and the same amount of physicality. Like, the men's games, people are elbowing each other and pushing each other out of the way and flying through people. And that all that exact same stuff happens with about the same intensity in the women's game. And that was really cool to see. I never felt like there was any drop-off of any sort. I, I loved watching the goalies. Uh, oh, I think yeah. Out of any sport with a goalie in the Olympics, handball is probably the one that most just leaves them hanging out to dry. And yeah. like in oh, yeah. impossible situations. I mean, we think about soccer penalty kicks and how hard it is for the goalie. Handball is that tough the entire game. I still don't get all of the strategy of why they were pulling their goalie so many times and allowing these open full length of the court <laughs> shots. And even some of the calls and like fouls that we saw, like, well, why is that a penalty? Why is this a right. one-man advantage? It was a little tricky. We need to watch a little more handball between Olympics to get it. But watching the penalty shots and the goaltending and the and the gameplay and some of the great shots and, and like falling to the ground, uh, like sideways, sidearm, like slinging it in. It's just, it's a fun sport. I think a lot of people knew this going in, like the secret is out on handball, but then it also just lived up to what we had as as our expectations. We'll get to how you wanted to choose a a rugby team in a little bit once we talk about rugby, but uh, I now really want to choose a handball team. And I will say that I'm leaning towards Paris Saint-Germain because while watching the Danish handball team play, I started to really like the play of Mikkel Hansen. He's a giant Danish dude with long hair and a cool headband, and he plays for PSG, so might as well. I have a PSG scarf uh, at home. It's for their soccer team, but I might as well. Do they have handball scarves? I don't know. I I don't know. They do Um, now. But in any case, uh, BN Sports shows the uh, European Handball Federation, I believe, Champions League matches occasionally. I think PSG is in that competition. So if anybody has any suggestions other than PSG, like why I should go for one over the other, as long as they're in the EHF Champions League, I am I am on board because I would actually like to be able to watch the team play every so often. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anybody has any suggestions, send them along. I would love to watch more handball. Uh, how about judo? Judo is not a sport that I watched very much of in these Olympics. I did watch most of one heavyweight uh, fight. And to be honest, I wasn't that impressed. I was talking to you about this. Teddy Reiner, I think you watched, right? The French. Yeah, man. that's right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, I watched the Teddy Reiner. Big dude. Big dude, and he like. Clearly, is there's a lot of skill and a lot of strategy that goes into it. In fact, it's almost all strategy, and that's kind of what took me out of it. It was a little bit too much just like little tiny movements and tiny little uh, like death by a thousand cuts style of just like grapple, 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 And push, I think that happens a lot in push, the push. metal rounds yeah. when they're better. I think if you want to watch some like big throws i think yeah. you're better off watching like the round of 16 like okay. when the when the some of the lesser opponents are in i think that's where you're going to see some of the more uh exciting action i guess if you want to see people just get thrown around right i watched some i mean i'm going to remember a lot um this is judo is a sport that i was much more familiar with than you going into the olympics and i was excited for kayla harrison to win her second gold medal which is very cool she's the first american to win gold in judo and now she's done it twice I was also happy to see um, Travis Stevens win a medal. He had lost in the quarterfinals in 2008, lost in the uh, semifinals in 2012, and then made it to the finals this year and ended up taking a silver medal. And he had a great story about dealing with injury. And remember, he's the guy who had that infection in his leg. And right. They thought they might have to amputate if he didn't get his leg uh, infection dealt with like a few days ahead of when he when he did. And 
And uh, it was very cool to see him have that moment and, and see how happy they were for him. I did not watch as much judo as I did in 2012, but I still I still ride for judo. I'm, yeah. I'm still a fan. So. Um, if I can go back to handball for one second, because I, I just always go back because to I just remembered a, a moment that happened. We were talking about little moments that, oh, that, that happened boy, yeah. uh, in this, and I will always remember not probably not the one that you're thinking of. Okay. Uh, I will always remember. Uh, the Netherlands versus South Korea women's handball game where it was tied going into the last second and Netherlands get a penalty shot and they're lining up for the penalty shot and South Korea subs out their goalkeeper and subs in a goalkeeper that they have brought along, I believe, for the specific purpose of stopping penalties. This goalkeeper is 42 years old. She played on the women's handball team in the 1996 Olympics (laughs) for South Korea and I'm just like, why, what, huh? And then she makes an incredible save on the shot and the match ends tied. For me, the play of the tournament was that Poland shot. I think Poland was playing Denmark. Yeah. And was this the semifinal? the semifinal. And they ended up losing the game, but he basically made this insane shot at the buzzer to tie the game and send it to extra time. Submarine style losing. shot. Yeah, but that yeah. was just that was one of the most impressive athletic feats that that we saw. That was so there were cool. but there were a lot of we what was that other there were a few games. Yeah. You could go back and listen to past episodes <laughs> when we talked about some of the most exciting moments in handball. And that's one of the things that's great. Any any game could be great and could have be, an yeah. incredible ending. Uh Marathon Swim. You talked a lot about the finishes to both of these marathon yeah, I watched, swims. Well, I caught both finishes. And live. I missed both of them. Yeah. It was fun. I loved yeah. the ending. I did not know what it looked like in the water but they have like the two buoys and then this big wooden board that you basically get to the end and slap the board and both races it's almost two hours of swimming and both races came down to like photo finishes and the one uh remember the women's race had the the silver medalists get disqualified for like elbowing her way in and and pulling the other woman down to try and uh touch the board and she ended up getting dq'd and no medal when she could have just let her pass and gotten the bronze and then the men's, I think the number, I think it was like eight swimmers within five seconds of each other, That's all crazy. fighting for medals. It was cool. I, I I enjoyed it. I did not watch the whole race, but tuning in for a little, I'll remember that image of them like sending them Gatorade bottles and water with like fishing rods yeah. and like lowering them into the swimmers as they're swimming. They're getting bottles of uh, of water and Gatorade. It was, it was a fun event. And uh, I will also, I mean, we'll talk a lot about the water is another thing that people remember, not just the pool water turning green, but the Rio water that everyone was so concerned about. Yeah. And it seemed, I was surprised. I read that a few stories, that one I remember in the LA Times about how the swimmers, it just wasn't a big deal. And once they got there, they thought everything was fine, which I don't know how they pulled it off. And maybe news is going to change when they come home if people get sick. But uh, from what I saw, the event seemed like it went well and it was definitely exciting. Very cool. Uh, modern pentathlon. Uh, I watched a bit of this and yeah, I'm, I'm here to report. Yes, that event is still incredibly weird, uh, incredibly strange. Uh, I did like how they, ha- I'll remember that they had it all in the same, like every event in the same arena, basically. They had the fencing outdoors in this weird, like little yeah. futuristic lo- tent looking thing. It was a futuristic tent. <laughs> That's a good. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just such a weird event. Uh, I'll remember the fact that I found out before these Olympics, which is that for the riding portion, they are given a horse at random <laughs> just before they start the thing. And sometimes an unwilling horse. And sometimes an un- the horse is unwilling, and in the 20 minutes they are given to familiarize themselves with the horse, uh, they apparently can do can do nothing, and the horse just sometimes just doesn't want to jump, and that ends up affecting their score. And that is absolutely nuts It's to weird me. to just get all the way to the Olympics, and then you don't even know. You've never met the horse you're going to ride on. Right. Um, I will also remember a lot about rowing because... 
the U.S. women's eight once again was dominant again. They won gold, and I will also remember uh, that apparently I pronounced Coxon wrong. You did. <laughs> This was one of our many... I should have corrected you. I don't know why I didn't. Because, because you just never had my back on these I, things. No, I thought I was being nice, but I realized later that I was not being... I was setting you up And to my fail. mispronunciation was not, I should say... I, I have to defend myself here. It wasn't egregious. It's not <laughs> no, as if, no, no. It's not as if I said Coxswain. No, like, but like I think if, Like literally pronouncing it how it's spelled. Yeah. But I did say the W maybe too much. I might have said Coxswain. Too much of a W. It was similar to your yeah. Slovenia. Where you Slovenia, were just, right. Slovenia is what you should... But you were a little bit... Of, you know, it happens. You know what? It's late. It's your Kansas uh, City accent. Yeah, which totally exists. Um, I'll also just remember the first couple days of regatta, of the regatta, they were disrupt, disrupted by a lot of weather, a lot of choppy water. I kept on waiting for the rowing to happen and it kept on getting delayed or pushed back. They almost had to cancel events because uh, they ended up having to push back uh, just because of winds and not even rain. Uh, just winds were making the water really choppy. And a lot of the races they did run were on choppy water. I remember the U.S. women's, I believe it was the four boat, saying that the it was just they were getting tossed around at the starting line before they even started Which the should race, not happen. Which should know? not happen. Yeah. Uh, and they ended up performing really badly in that particular race, which I believe was run by won by Great Britain. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what I'll remember about rowing. Yeah. I don't have a ton to add. I also, I watched the women's eight. I probably would not have, except that I'd read about the team before the Olympics started and how good they were. And yeah. I watched it and they lived up to it. Absolutely. And, uh, They're amazing. And they were good. We, but I can move right on to rugby, uh-huh. which, you know, is now my love. Oh <laughs> the yeah. sport is, uh, it, 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 I said, I predicted in our preview show that this would be the breakout sport of the Olympics. And maybe not everyone feels the same way I do. Maybe people forgot about it because it was only on the first week and not the second week. But I thought rugby totally lived up, was unbelievably fun. And we talked about this a lot in uh, the previous episode that we just did That because we're taping two today about my quest to find a rugby team. But I'm very excited to now be a rugby fan and follow the sport moving forward. I'm looking forward to the two of us being at the World Cup of Rugby in San Francisco <laughs> in 2018. And rugby, I'm in. I'm hooked on you. It's great, and we're not done yet. For me, the thing that I'll take away from rugby, besides the fact that the game itself was awesome and every game was was exciting. Yeah, the format, and I had no idea the format going in until yeah. we started watching it. Seven-minute halves with a one-minute halftime. The extremely efficient format was, yeah. was awesome. And But for me, in terms of just a moment that I will always remember from this, it will be the Fiji national team immediately after they won gold getting into a circle and singing this traditional Fiji hymn that I believe I played on the episode yeah. uh, after it happened. And that was cool because they blew them out so they knew the whole game they were going to win. And seeing, watching the fans from Fiji get excited during the yeah. game as it's happening. And the fact that like all the Fiji players were such good singers. There were harmonies going on there. They do singing as a, as just a, as a team bonding activity. It was, it was really cool to see. And congratulations to Fiji once again for winning their first medal ever at the Olympics and making it a gold. Yeah. And and both U.S. teams, too, even though they didn't medal, the women in particular, they were very close. They put up good they were fights fun. on yeah. both of the teams. I think it was Australia and New Zealand were the two women's teams in the gold medal match, if I have that right. And I think yeah. USA played both of them very close. Both the men and women had a couple of heartbreaking losses. It's crazy <laughs> how... Uh, there are so many scores on the last play of the game because the way it goes is if you have the ball as time expires, you basically get to finish out the possession. Yeah. So th- it's cool that so – like imagine if that happened in football where whoever had the ball last, like, oh, don't worry about the clock. Like just go in- until this drive ends. Right. And you would see so many games where the score would change on that last drive. 
And rugby, it's not quite a drive, but it's it's similar to that because you're making passes moving all over. The whole game is like a kickoff with laterals and you're reversing the field. And it was just so exciting and cool to see how it comes down to that last play so many times. Um, sailing, I have to admit, I didn't watch a whole lot of sailing. I watched a little bit of the windsurfing when it took place. Uh, my main takeaway, I really love the super zoomed out uh, camera shots they had of the of the races just to give you some sort of perspective on it. I was kind of confused by a lot of the sailing and I didn't I didn't end up watching a whole this lot. This is of my it. one. I said earlier there's one sport that I did not watch a minute of. I don't think I saw a minute of sailing. Okay. So well moving on to shooting. Sorry sailing. Yeah, sorry sailing. Uh to shooting, uh I will remember this little bit, or I'll try to remember this little bit of deep cut sports trivia. We have this podcast to remind you. It might be helpful before the 2020 Olympics to just listen to this for an hour and a half as like our Olympic preview. And then we don't have to do another preview episode and then we'll we'll remember all the big stories. So if you're playing, if you're playing like bar sports trivia or something like that one day, this is the question, a question that might come up is who won the first gold at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Oh, I know it was the U.S. I forget the name. Oh, no, I do. Oh, Ginny Thrasher. Ginny Thrasher. Her name. Yeah, I totally forgot that name yeah. until uh, until you made me pull it out. Ginny yeah. Thrasher of the United States in the 10-meter air rifle. Uh, that is what I will remember from shooting. Uh, that was that, so that early in the morning was, that first day. It was the, I woke up the first day, and it had already happened. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, my God, this thing is actually happening now, yeah. and we're still doing it. Congrats <laughs> to Ginny Thrasher. Yeah. Um, shall we move right along to swimming? Yeah, let's move to swimming. Okay. I think, I've thought about this all week. I think that of the three kind of premier primetime sports, swimming, track and field, and gymnastics, I think I enjoyed the swimming the most. I think I agree with you. Really? I wasn't sure if you'd agree, but uh, I just, I thought it was great. I just, I love the drama, how you get to know these swimmers and they're in the heats. and, And I know it's similar in track. But there was just something about swimming and the drama in the pool where you're seeing them in the heats and then the next night in the finals and the semifinals and getting to know these these swimmers. And some of them were familiar with their backstory already, but watching them night after night, I just I just thought well, the swimming was so much fun. What I think what I think separated swimming from the other headline sports uh, this particular Olympics was the fact that I don't think it's necessarily inherent in swimming itself. I just think that this year for whatever reason, happened to be just... There's a lot of great personalities. a a whole lot of drama and a whole lot of storylines to follow throughout the entire thing. Like, I was just writing down things that I'll remember from swimming at these Olympics, and it ended up being like four or five or six can't miss, can't forget things. And I'm sure I even forgot things. Like, obviously, there's Michael Phelps. Yes. Obviously, there's Katie Ledecky. Yes. (laughs) Obviously, there's Simone Manuel. You have to talk about Lily King staring down Efimova and the no, no, no finger whack thing. We'll talk about that forever, You have to talk about the Phelps face uh, (laughs) against Chad Lacroix. Is that the same night or no? No, maybe that was the night after. I think it was all around the same time. But yeah, Phelps face on Lacroix is a meme forever not that we're judging things only on meme ability right and then on top of all of this completely out of the pool but still swimming you have to remember the whole ryan lochte fiasco well yeah although frankly like you know i I I mean wasn't it nice if we could go through this whole podcast without even i mean sorry but yeah it's has to do with like once again it's a swimming thing yeah and i am forgetting the canadian swimmer uh that that ended up tying for 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 silver uh oh yeah um oh what's her name um oh man See, like this is this was a huge story. <laughs> I wrote down a bunch of names. So that's when there were happened. so many personalities, and uh, and they were all exciting. I mean, Nathan Adrian, Anthony Irvin, yeah. Maya Dorado. Remember how excited right. she was when she won a medal? There were so many uh, exciting events, and it, it was just it was incredible. Night after night, I I wonder if this is more common in swimming than track. I feel like in track, it's I don't know. They're similar, but it feels like in track you're more likely. 
you know what at what time everyone runs and it's a little easier to like look at the guy or the woman standing next to you and just like run a little bit faster than whereas in the pool you kind of you put your head down i know there was the photo of, of uh looking at the uh, of laclo looking at phelps in the pool but yeah. i feel like in the pool you just kind of you get in the water and and anything can happen and it's a little bit different um you know than on the track katinka hosu is another she was right. a huge storyline in her uh, husband slash coach and all his antics and everybody talking about it. There were just so many swimmers that were memorable and Penny Alexiak. Yeah, is Penny Alexiak, the Canadian go. swimmer. I'm thinking of. She won gold in the hundred meter freestyle, silver in the hundred meter butterfly, and bronze in the four by one hundred and four by two hundred freestyle relay. And she's seventeen. Yeah, she's so young. And this is like that's number seven or eight uh, on our admittedly American biased. A uh, list, right, list right, of top, uh, list of top swimming stories. Well, Mitch, that's Mitch Larkin from Australia. If he had been right. better, we would have talked about him more. Team talk, Mitch, talk about um, Team Mitch. Some and more. so many of these swimmers are going to come back. Like, right. we, we haven't seen the, the last of Katie Ledecky, and uh, and you know, I mean, she's going to be a huge story. I feel like she's going to like chase Phelps's records. Uh, you Very know, if possible. She, if, she's yeah. in, if she's got two or three more Olympics in her, but now you know that's. That's pretty far. In the there was future. that, gr- I there was that, that great much, moment uh, uh, in the pressure on her. There was that great moment in the behind the scenes video of the Sports Illustrated cover shoot they did uh, yeah. with Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky and Simone Biles is on it too. But uh, there's a great moment in the video that we published uh, where Michael Phelps is literally showing Katie Ledecky like how to arrange. Uh, her medals yeah. on her how neck. How do I wear six medals how, at once? Oh, well, here, I'll yeah. show you and how. The, and the line the line Michael Phelps was just like, don't worry, you'll get used to it. <laughs> and that was just seemed so precious. Yeah, I love that. The swimming was a ton of fun, and I am already ready. I, I wonder, I don't follow swimming, like, at all. Yeah. I feel like now, more than ever, I'm inclined to tune into the world championships, which, right. honestly, I don't even know when they are. But I feel like I need to, like, set a Google Calendar reminder <laughs> that, like, hey, this event is here. And I feel like I would love to tune in and keep up. That's that's be my one of my goals, my homework assignment between now and Tokyo World is to keep up with swimming a little bit more and see who's doing what and what they're up to and uh, and, and keep up between now and the next Olympics. Great. Uh, synchronized swimming, uh, I watched a little bit of. I watched more of the duets than I did uh, the team competition. Team competition involving uh, basically more than, I believe it's eight. Uh, the duet is just two. I watched the duets mainly because uh, the one of Lindsay Schnell's podcasts uh, was about Maria Koroleva, who is uh, one of the first, I think maybe the first U.S. Uh, synchronized swimmer to go to two consecutive Olympics. And after working so much on that podcast, I was just really curious to see what her routine was like. Uh, you know, you do all this work on the uh, before the thing even happens, and then you don't. You all you want to do is just see them actually do the thing that they're talking about the entire time when you're producing the podcast. Uh, so they didn't. They didn't end up meddling, but they did have a pretty good performance. They made it to the finals. Uh, and it was, and they swam as far as I could tell very well. Synchronized swimming is such a, such an bizarre sport, just in the in the context of the rest of the Olympics, which does not mean in any way, shape, or form that it is easy, right? Or that it is, uh, it is uh, requiring of less skill in any way. It's incredibly hard to do. I can't imagine having to stay underwater and doing all the physical things that they have to do exactly at the same time as everybody else. It's insane. Uh, it's and it's one of those things that. You really, it's not, you will only see it in the Olympics, but it's something that pops up in, in the Olympics that uh, you might not ever think to check out otherwise. Yeah, I watched less of it than you did. I just remember being so surprised that it was an outdoor pool. <laughs> and like, imagine these countries where they train indoors year round, and then you get to the Olympics and the sun's in your eyes and you're trying to do your routine. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine, but. 
That, that's is that a weird lasting takeaway from uh, a little bit but you know yeah. what you it's have fitting four, with this podcast those four, are the kinds four of four years those are the observations that people come to us you for have four so. years to correct it uh, how about table tennis i did not watch much table tennis at all in fact i think this is the sport that i didn't watch a minute of yeah looking at the list and and i really i felt like i watched again i watched so much but looking at the list we've got a couple in a row here that were kind of background sports for me i feel like i had table tennis on but I didn't really pay much attention to it. And like, who was, it was like fun to watch. And, and you kind of see it and you say, oh, that's an impressive shot. Oh, that's a great rally. Yeah. But I wasn't really invested in any of the athletes um, where, I, you know, I wasn't at the point where I was like, there was never a moment where I was really like watching a match, rooting for somebody, hoping to see it end a certain way. It was yeah. kind of just on and, and you'd see a point here and there and say, oh, you know, nice point. Taekwondo was kind of like that for me, but I will, I will admit that I think part of the reason for that is just Olympics fatigue because, uh, yes, we kind of it is our job for this podcast to watch all of the Olympics or at least as much of it as possible. A couple of days are a grind, but we are, but we are, <laughs> we would never complain. We, we're we, not complaining. We've had it very good the last we're, three weeks. We're not complaining. I'm but just pointing the last out that few it days becomes... we were very tired and had to watch handball because yeah. of the handball, uh, medal round games mattering for the quadrathlon. I think that cut into my Taekwondo time. Yeah, and and it was just, it was a sport that I think had it happened earlier in the Olympics, uh, I would have been much more eager to just check it out and sit through a couple matches until I figured out what was going on. Uh, and this time around, I just didn't. I think you might be right. I tuned into a little partly because I wanted to hear Pat Croce do NBC's yeah. analysis. If I could do one more uh, plug, Pat Croce, the former owner of the Sixers, who I actually just spent three days with, uh, in May at his place in Florida for a big story that I worked on for SI's Where Are They Now series. And so any Sixers fans or basketball fans out there, feel free to go check that out and read it. But uh, that was why it was fun for me to check that out. It was cool. I was excited going into the Olympics about all the technology and how the sensors like measure how, how, how much pressure you use when you hit somebody. And I thought that was very cool. And I think you're right, earlier in the Olympics, not just that it was at the end, but that it started so late. It was yeah. only a few days. Some of the other sports that uh, were in the second half, they at least started like in the middle. This, it was just like very late. And it was like, by the way, Taekwondo is starting. So <laughs> right. I, I wish I could have caught a little bit more, but it was pretty cool. It was, it was exciting to watch and see them just trying to kick each other. Like, it, you know, yeah. it's fun. It's a good one, but I, I didn't see a ton of it. Um, tennis is the sport that I maybe went into with the lowest expectations that were, that were raised the most. I did not expect uh, to love Olympic tennis as much as I ended up loving it. And a lot of the reason for that is Juan Martin Del Potro. Uh, he had just kind of a fantastic run that started off with that amazing epic match against Novak Djokovic uh, in the first, it was both of their first games and Novak Djokovic ended up getting knocked out in his first game. Uh, world number one, you don't see that very often. Um, he had, Del Potro ended up making it all the way to the final, played yet another epic game against Andy Murray, which was notable because it lasted four hours in both these guys at that point. Yeah. The Olympics tennis schedule was so compressed. These guys are all playing. And not just compressed, know, they're playing singles and doubles and mixed doubles. Like singles and doubles time. and mixed doubles all at the same time. And <laughs> both Juan Martín Del Potro and Andy Murray had done that, and they were coming to the end, and they were both clearly just so gassed. Every single point, they're hunched over, and somehow they found the energy to play. I believe it was four sets, uh, and Andy Murray won that game, but I won that match. But I'll I'll remember that, and I'll keep that in mind next time for Olympic tennis because it's easy. It's it's like golf in that it's it's not that different. It's not unusual to watch uh, these guys play. Uh, singles matches or doubles matches and the same on the women's side and same for doubles and mixed doubles um, but uh, it, it, it the Olympics I think brought something a little bit different to the table 
uh, for for whatever reason that was. I kind of feel the same way that the tennis was more exciting than I thought it was going to be. I think you watched more of it. I don't know why I didn't get into it earlier. I know that Del Potro was Del Potro versus Djokovic, like the first night that yeah. that like set the tone for the whole tournament. Like, hey, this matters. We all care, right. and that was cool. Um, I was disappointed. I, I was excited to see the Williams sisters play doubles together, and then did they? I think they lost their first match. Right. Um, if not their first, then definitely their second. But I was excited to see more of them. And uh, and then even in, even in singles they struggled, which was uh, a little bit surprising. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. The tennis was more exciting than we expected, and uh, and and I think I'll I'll look at it going into twenty twenty. I'll be a little more excited for it. And shout out to Jack Sock. He won Olympic gold in mixed doubles and bronze in doubles. Overland Park represent. There you go. Got to get that in there. Exactly. Right. Uh, triathlon. I know you watched this. I did. Uh, and I watched the end of the women. I watched a lot of the women's triathlon, actually. Yeah. Not much. The men's was a great story. The Brownlee brothers, who won uh, gold and bronze in 2012, took gold and silver this time. Oh, wow. Which was cool. And that picture of the two of them after they crossed the line. Brothers, first and second in the triathlon is awesome. Yeah. But I also really enjoyed watching Gwen Jorgensen win the women's triathlon and learning a little bit more about the strategy that goes into it and, and like, the cat and mouse game with the competitors, which obviously I know happens in other races and, and swim meets. and, and But, you know, any, any race like that is going to have a little bit. But it was fun to watch her do that and, and battle the 2012 Olympic champ and, and come away with a win. It was fun. For indoor volleyball, uh, I will remember every game that – not every game, but I'll remember any game that Brazil played – uh, both because of the passion of the players on the court and the quality of play that they were able to put forth, uh, but also the atmosphere in the stands. Uh, the Maracanãzinho is an amazing uh, volleyball venue, I think it's fair to say. Uh, that place was rocking every single time Brazil played. Uh, and it was it was really cool to see. And they deserved their, uh, their gold medal, which I believe they won uh, earlier today. This was a fun one. And this is another sport where I really enjoyed the men's and women's equally. Equally, yeah. Uh, similar to handball, where I there were a lot of games where I was I saw volleyball and I was like, okay. And I changed the channel and I didn't even know if it was men's or women's and it didn't matter. Yeah. And both were fun. And uh, I think I still prefer beach volleyball to indoor. I just think something about the teams of two where they have to, like, if you pass to a teammate and fall, you have to get right up because it might come right back to you. The like, recovery that, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that concept to me was just uh, exciting. And made for made for each point, you know, there are moments you gasp when like, are they gonna get up? And they get up and it's and it's cool. But I I also I like the indoor. I like that visual of when they set it and like three teammates go up to spike at the same time and like they time their jumps differently to see who's gonna get it. It was it was a cool game. I I enjoyed all the volleyball that I saw. Yeah. Uh for water polo, I it's one of those sports that I didn't even watch in any Olympics previous to this. So I was not fully aware of how much of just a boxing match in the water it is with goals basically uh and that was that you know the men's side games were were really fun I, they, you know they were definitely incredibly intense uh i enjoyed watching ashley johnson uh play for the united states as a goalkeeper uh again she was a subject of one of the lindsey schnell uh, reels rising stars podcast and it's again one of those ones that i worked on a whole lot without ever being really familiar with ashley johnson's play or what she did or what made her so good so it was really cool to work on that podcast and then turn on the TV or the stream and see her at work and instantly be like, oh, that's why these people are saying all these great things about her. She yeah. is very good at this. And the U.S. team was was pretty dominant all the way through. They were. Their margin of victory, was it was like the equivalent of winning 11-5 to 5 or 12-5 to 5 for the entire Olympic tournament. Right. I was a little disappointed, and I need to apologize. I had this wrong in the preview. One of the highlights of the Olympics in 2012 was watching NBC's Doc Emmerich call the water polo. And I think I thought that I had read that he was back. He was not he back. Was not. That was the one thing that was missing is him and that scar and that yeah. great call that he has. 
And so I enjoyed watching it in 2012. I watched like a lot of games, even if the USA wasn't playing because it was fun to watch him. Right. So uh, apologies to those of you who I misled. This, this was like three weeks ago, and I don't even know if I ever <laughs> corrected myself or acknowledged it. But uh, I Doc, meant, I kept meaning we to ask you. About yeah, that. Doc, we were sorry not to see you, but still, it was fun watching Team USA, and uh, and this was a, a cool sport that I I enjoyed, and and will definitely be excited for in 2020. Yeah. All right. Oh, sorry. Weightlifting is next. And I think you watched more weightlifting than I did. I did. We, and did, we kind of mixed it up. We had a few where we both had our go-tos. Yeah, I did. And I like I can't claim that it, to, I would never claim that I watched a whole lot of weightlifting. I, there were whole weight classes I just entirely skipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and But what I will remember in terms of just two things uh, that I will remember. First of all, uh, the flip. Uh, Lithuanian Arimas Didzbalas. Once he found out that he couldn't lift, he had to raise the stakes and lift a certain amount if he was going to rise from bronze. He was guaranteed a bronze medal. He couldn't do it. He like lifted it up and he just couldn't get it past. Uh, I can't remember if it was the 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 uh, queen and jerk or which lift it was, but he just dropped the weight and instantly, you know, you would expect him to be disappointed, but instead he just looked out to the crowd and screamed and drew a heart in the air with his fingers and then backflipped. Awesome. Just in place. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know how you're able to do that after lifting a giant amount of weight or at least even attempting Not it. even being able Not to. Not even being, being so to tired and exhausted that you can't even do it. He flipped backwards, landed on his feet and was celebrating and asking, asking all the Lithuanians in the crowd to get up, which they did. And there was a lot of noise. That was great. I'll also remember watching on the first day of the Olympics, I believe, uh, when the smallest weight class uh, of women's weightlifting were going. And I was watching this happen and, you know, I was kind of progressing through the lifts and kind of understanding how it works. And at a certain point, it dawned on me that these uh, that these women are lifting weights that are sometimes more than double their body weight yeah, and incredible. sometimes even more than that. And I that was one of those moments where I just kind of sat back and said, whoa, like we are watching truly uh, – incredibly talented athletic humans do things this is the olympics like it was nice it was nice like oh yeah this is what the olympics are this is what i'm going to be watching all day every day for the next uh 17 days or however much it was because yeah. it was one of the first days of the olympics it, and was. it was and it was a nice uh, it was a nice introduction weightlifting i like the entrance tunnels <laughs> they need closer music yeah. like like baseball pitchers yeah uh i, I wish they'd have that but no, I, I I just the image that sticks with me is and I don't even remember the country. I think maybe she was from South Korea. The woman who lifted something, but it was uh, she needed to have it over her head and then have her and then straddle her legs in the right position to like be set. But she like got the bar in the air and then just started like walking forward and her momentum took her off the platform. And so she lifted this giant thing over her head and it didn't even count. Yeah. And just like seeing how hard it is not just to lift it, get it up, but then also to like strike the correct pose. And have it, and and uh, I saw a little. This was another where I wasn't like terribly invested in some of the athletes, but I would just kind of tune in and check out what's going on. And it and it's always it's like as a quick little. Let me just drop in and see how it's going. It was another fun one to just catch for small bursts uh, on TV. Now wrestling is our final sport uh, on the list. We finally reached the end. And Mitch, I know that you uh, watched a lot of wrestling, and you have you know you have experience in wrestling and can talk a lot about it. I just want to say before you start that I totally lucked out on this one. It's similar to basketball. <laughs> I didn't watch hardly any wrestling at all, but the one wrestling match I did see was Helen Marulis, the American, defeating Saori Yoshida, one of the most decorated uh, wrestlers uh, in, in women's wrestling. It was a really under-the-radar thing. I don't think got as much of attention as it should. I think maybe, sadly, at least partially, because it happened right as the Ryan Lochte fiasco was breaking, so that was kind of headline news. I think otherwise Helen Marulis would be on 
would be a name that everybody knows as it is. I think she's still flying under the radar despite the fact that she won gold yeah. in this Yeah, I think event. if Adeline Gray had won because she had yeah. so much more attention coming into the games, she would have been a bigger name, but Helen but, Marulis hopefully gets uh, gets the attention but, she deserves. But that was the one that was the one match I really watched and it was great. Uh what was what were your takeaways from from wrestling? Um well, Kyle Snyder who just won his gold on the final Sunday, the very last day. Imagine yeah. waiting going to the Olympics the entire time. The whole time, but then so at least he got gold. Um and he's, I think he just finished his sophomore year at Ohio State. He's the youngest American ever to win gold, uh, overtaking Henry Cejudo, who won gold in 2008. And I was actually at his match oh, when, wow. when he won gold in Beijing. Uh, I was there that day, and I didn't even realize at the time that he was the youngest ever. I found that out later, and then, and now he's not anymore because of <laughs> Kyle Snyder. But I'll remember watching this. Um, you, so you said uh, wrestling. I missed some of it. Frankly, because some of the Americans who I was excited to watch lost earlier in the day. I had to catch a lot of it on replay because uh, Jordan Burroughs, so I figured, oh, I'll catch him in the semis and the finals later, and then he didn't make it, and Adeline Gray, same thing. But, man, Jordan Burroughs' quotes might yeah. be the thing that sticks with me longer than anything. Um, it's just such a tough sport, and I've always loved wrestling. And, you know, you think about Olympics history dating back to Milo of Croton, my favorite Olympian ever, <laughs> who was, I think, a five-time champ in the ancient games. And that was just how you decided who was the biggest, baddest dude on the planet. And uh, and so I just, I love Olympic wrestling. And it was just tough to see how much some of them sacrificed. Burroughs and Adeline Gray are two who, uh, who stand out in my mind as just great athletes and great wrestlers who uh, were very hopeful to win gold and didn't. And then lastly, I think, you know, we have to acknowledge the image of throwing the stuffed animals on the mat as, oh, the, great. as yeah. the challenge flag, <laughs> which we still, we need to get that in the NFL. Uh, refs, uh, whoever you are that uh, that decide this, Roger Goodell, if you're listening, throwing stuffed animals should be the permanent challenge flag in every every sport. The people love it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Man. We're out of sports. We, we're out of sports. <laughs> that That's was, it. Those are all the sports. We're done. What else is there? I don't know. Is there anything else? Well, the Tonga flag bearer in the uh, opening ceremonies. <laughs> anything else uh, about the Olympics in general that you'll remember about about Rio being the host uh, that stands out to you about 2016? I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Rio, both uh, at the World Cup and I made a trip there before then. So I'm fairly familiar with the city. It, I will just remember watching aerial shots of the city and seeing, for example, the places where the uh, road race was happening for, for cycling and the places where the marathon was happening and remembering that Rio is such an incredible city and it is not the reporting on it I think hasn't always been fair uh, over the course of these games I feel like uh, people have been treating it as if it's some kind of third world backwoods uh, city instead of the cosmopolitan huge urban center that it is albeit beset with its own problems uh, I uh, it was cool to see it kind of be exposed to the world uh, in in that way, even though, you know, they're they have all sorts of their own problems in terms of the allocation of money that they're getting from all these games and uh, and all of that. It's it's a fascinating city. It's a fascinating country. And it was uh, it was cool to kind of live through the experience of the games. It was almost it was it wasn't like I was there again, but it was it was almost like I was just taking kind of a visit. If, well, we, if, if that makes sense. I mean, we saw more of it because we were in New York watching than we would have if we were at the Olympics. If yeah. we were there, like going, when you go to an event, you miss so much that's happening around. 
so it was, you know, as much as I as much as I would have enjoyed to be there or to eventually, you know, that is a goal to someday be sent to cover the Olympics. As much as I'd love to do that, I do feel like we caught we saw more of the games yeah. in our current setup, which again, can't complain about. Was great. Uh, you know, we'll always be grateful for that. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, I mean, Rio so so you brought up the Lochte story a little bit earlier, and to me that's like the Rio story when we remember the games, like that there was all this concern and that like the way the news broke the first day was like what a lot of people thought Rio would be like. Yeah. And then that it then swung the opposite where it came out that Lochte embellished and lied and made certain things up. And and so I think I wonder if people will remember the Rio games as not being quite as bad as they thought they would be. Well, only Whereas because they the, were made out to be, be right. just like going into some kind of hellhole. Although which that is said, not there were there were other stories of other athletes running into issues. That's true. So it would it would be wrong to just assume that uh, that none of that you know that there was none of that. The other thing is, and and there was a lot of attention paid to doping before the game started. The I don't think we talked about it on our podcast at all during track and field that the entire Russian delegation was not there. Yeah, remember there was the story with the lab that was not accredited, and then they gave them their accreditation back. So the biggest storylines out of Rio might not have popped up yet because I'm sure they're going to be testing and retesting samples yeah. years from now. So it'll be interesting to see you know how dirty the Olympics were, how clean they were, if people are getting disqualified after the fact. <laughs> Kind of a downer to talk about this after we just went through talking about all of the sports that we right. loved and were fun to watch. But, um, you know, these are questions that are still going to come up. And if you look at the future of the Olympics, I still think there are a lot of issues in how they choose cities, how they set up cities, how those uh, host cities do well financially by, you know, as a result of bringing the games and figuring out the the chase to test drug users and, and, uh, and get them out of there. So, you know, a lot, a lot of issues that... We didn't touch on a ton throughout because I think we focused on the sports, but um, but for the most part, I mean, from an athletics competition standpoint, the the sports are fun. It was and fantastic. People tune in. I know the TV ratings were down, but I know millions and millions of people were streaming online, and I thought the streaming was great. By the way, the yeah. quality of them and how easy it was to find and and keep them on, I thought was great. And uh, it was. I feel for people who have real jobs, unlike us, who. Yeah can't just like watch all day but for people in our position where we could just like stream and see everything live i thought it was very easy i yeah. know there are complaints about the primetime coverage but uh you know that is it is, is, what, it is, it is. what it is yeah all right shall we uh wrap this up we're at the end i think i think it's been very long at, i think at long last we need to it's time to wrap this up we need right? to say one more round of thank yous and i think we we start every show by reading and talking to our listeners and thanking them for subscribing and all that and we sort of saved it i think at this point the only people listening are our our real audience and, yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll call them friends of the podcast who've sure. tuned in every day for the last uh, however many weeks you've, you've been with us. Um, so we want to thank you especially because it has been incredible for me. I I thought this was going to be a lot of fun. I did not. And I thought maybe people would listen to it. I was very surprised at just how many people wrote in like daily and some of the same people on Twitter day after day or people who checked in. Every once in a while, I guess we should say, by the way, I'm on Twitter at Mitch Goldich, M-I-T-C-H-G-O-L-D-I-C-H. And I'm on Twitter at A-N-A-B-N-O-S, Anabnos, and I am also uh, taken aback daily and have been taken aback daily with uh, the amount of feedback we've been getting. And not just the amount of it, but the thoughtfulness of it yeah. and and the 
the clear care that has gone into uh, you all have clearly listened to the like and this is crazy like inside all, jokes yeah and, like all yeah. all you want all you want when you're recording a podcast like this or doing a project like this is that you hope that at least some people are listening and even if they don't write in and tell you that they're listening you just kind of throw it out into the world and hope that maybe you get some kind of a message back and what we got in return for this I think far eclipsed either of our expectations and it means just so much to me. It made us want to work that much harder. Yeah, it we made did. Us, we had those conversations yeah. a few where we were a few of those nights were in the office until five. And I said to you, I was like, you know, if it was going poorly, I think this is the point where we'd start half-assing it. Right. But because it was so much fun and so many people were enjoying it, I think we felt pressure to keep to step our game up and keep making them fun and good. And it helped energize us for sure. Yeah, we kept we like one of the comments we got, I think it was in a in an iTunes review, when we've gotten this in a few different places, is that Mitch and Alex really do their research and they really know their stuff. And yeah, I mean, I guess we do. And but but the reason that we do our research and the reason we work so hard to act like we know what we're talking about, <laughs> even when we may not, is because you all have been listening and and engaging with us. And uh, if if you hadn't done that, we wouldn't have the quality of show that we ended up having. Yeah. So really, so much of this show is thanks to the people that are listening to this right now. So it, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was very thank you, thank cool. You, thank you. Some of our... Like we we were the number six sports podcast in iTunes at one point is where we peaked, and I think we moment, were yeah. top fifteen in Stitcher. We were the like the top buzzworthy thing in Spotify. But I think even looking at those stats, what was cooler to me was just seeing how many people listen from different places. We had uh, we heard from people in the Netherlands and in Korea and in the UK and Canada. We heard from people from Alaska, California, Idaho. Then there was a listener who talked about how she was visiting family in the hospital, like listening to us every night, which was like crazy, crazy to think that we yeah. were like there, you know, for like a difficult time for somebody and who couldn't listen to, or couldn't watch all the Olympics. Um, listeners who were uh, Nicole traveling the hike through hiking the Appalachian Trail. Appalachian um, Trail. <laughs> what the trail. Um, we got invitations from listeners to come to Atlanta and, and San Francisco. And, and, and there the velodrome. velodromes and free meals waiting for us. So thank you so much. We always read. Uh, I have just a couple that I want to read. Uh, from listeners, one that came in recently from Rachel Burfind. And, oh, I have a Facebook page, Mitch Goldich Sports Writer. So keep in touch if you want to uh, yeah. follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. It would be awesome to keep in touch. And, and that way we'll, uh, we can let you know what we're up to. But I got this very nice note. Mitch and Alex, thanks for hosting an informative yet extremely entertaining podcast. I'm pretty addicted to the Olympics at the moment. And your podcast is the best way to listen at work. Thanks for keeping us informed on the little sports. I'm totally intrigued by rugby now, by the way. And covering the big sto- the big stories. Also, I like the narrative pods. And then she asks, any chance you'll be hosting the 2018 Olympics? <laughs> Even though she adds, probably should mention that I'm Team Alex, too. Although I'm impressed by the way Mitch can rattle off all the podcast listening sites without taking a breath. Thanks again. Along those lines, we also got tweets from uh, I am Tony, although I think the I is a one. He says, uh, see you in Tokyo. <laughs> and then a the next tweet says, Hopefully I won't unsubscribe the podcast after the closing <laughs> ceremony. So I guess now is the time if we have an announcement to make. The announcement is, I don't know. I, we have no announcement. I would say make. don't unsubscribe from the feed. If you've been yeah. listening all along, don't unsubscribe because who knows and whether it's going to be us or the Olympics or something. But if you liked us, you know, stick around. And in the meantime, we don't have any news. I don't know, you know, what's going to happen if podcasts will exist in 2018. My biggest news is that uh, I'm going to uh, be sleeping. I'm for sleeping about the next on Monday days. and Tuesday. Yeah. That is my news. But uh, thanks so much to everybody who listened. 
and followed and liked. And if you want to keep in touch with us, we would definitely appreciate that. And uh, and who knows, we might have like a reunion uh, type thing. But in the meantime, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and uh, yeah, what's up. I, I am I'm at an Abnos on Twitter. And as it happens, we just got a tweet uh, I think in the mid- while we were in the middle of doing this show that is very relevant really? uh, to, to what we were talking about. Chris Rupar, uh, this is, I'm only pulling this up now because it's the last chance to get any feedback on a show for a while. Uh, Chris Rupar says, uh, you have done a great service to humanity with your Olympics podcast. <laughs> get which, out of here, which, Chris. Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> thank you, but come on. Uh, thanks on behalf of those who can't watch all day. Also, thanks to any significant others, family, pets, houseplants of yours that have been ignored to watch the Olympics. That is very so true. This is, so this is my opportunity to thank uh, my roommates for uh, for basically doing all of the household chores uh, for me during this entire three-week period. I haven't uh, really had time to do much of anything. Thank you to my cat, Mo, for putting up with me being... <laughs> Thanks, Sir Mo. <laughs> thank you, Sir Mo. Uh, uh, thank you to uh, all my friends that haven't uh, seen me at all over the last uh, three weeks. Uh, thank you to my mom, who I haven't talked to in, in three weeks, except for in a very short amount of time. Uh, or when she's texting me about when, not, or when she's yeah. Texting I guess us about I can give a thank it, you yeah. slash shout out to my girlfriend who I've barely seen for the last three weeks, except right. for uh, she came over to watch the Olympics one day, and I had double laptops, and there were three <laughs> screens, and we were streaming three different sports, and, and I had TweetDeck <laughs> open, and uh, and that was fun. <laughs> I'm sure that was I'm sure that was not overwhelming at all for her. <laughs> no, I, I think she had fun. Um, she said she did at least. Okay. Um, and thanks, yeah, to my friends as well. Um, I guess the last thing. I hope it's not bad. We keep plugging, but. Uh, uh, I have not mentioned this on this podcast. I do have another podcast. <laughs> so if you want to keep in touch, uh, I have it's called the Mitch Goldich podcast and it's in iTunes and it's in SoundCloud. It's very different from this. I basically interview people in sports media. Actually, the last one I did before the Olympics was with Dan Hicks, who was very NBC's cool. lead swimming uh, play-by-play man during the Olympics. So if you want to keep in touch or if you miss the sound of my voice, you're welcome to find the Mitch Goldich podcast in iTunes or SoundCloud and uh and then we can keep in touch. And geez, all those really nice iTunes reviews you wrote for us, feel free to go do that over there yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, as, as for me, I am still going to be around uh, SI and doing a lot in the podcast sphere. Uh, I'm still going to be around SI. Don't make it sound like I'm leaving. Or okay, anything. sorry, sorry. <laughs> We're both going to be here. You, Mitch, I will be Please, around unless, with Mitch. Unless you know something I don't. I, yeah. will, be, I will be around with Mitch S- SI. I will be uh, still uh, doing things with Podcast for SI for, for quite a while. I just started the new uh, podcast feed uh, that I'm sharing with another producer, Harry Swartout. Um, we will be doing a lot of uh, shows. It's the, show, the name of the show, I should say, right up top is called The Narrative. And the idea is that that is where uh, stories like the Rio's Rising Stars series on this very feed, uh, that's where they'll all live. So uh, basically narrative storytelling about different uh, crazy things in sports. Uh, we've got a lot of really, really good stuff lined up. And one of the uh, one of the shows that I did for this feed is currently on there. Uh, and Harry does some great stuff as well. So definitely tune into that. I also produce the Planet Football podcast. So if you're a soccer person and you just loved uh, my my incisive <laughs> soccer analysis or whatever and it was. you're editing of uh, yeah. commercials. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, then tune into the Planet Football podcast. I also write weekly MLS power rankings. I write about soccer a lot. You do. Uh, so I will be on SI.com doing that. And I guess I can, if uh, while we're talking about podcasts, if you like American football, yeah. I'm also, I'm the producer of... 
SI's Audible's podcast, which is our NFL one. And I will, uh, last year I wrote a lot about football. I have not gotten ready. I'm not prepared for NFL season. Uh, but last year I did a lot of writing and I'm sure I'll do plenty more. So you can, uh, but yeah, those. by the way, the English Premier League started the last two weeks. Oh, I just haven't it? watched it <laughs> yeah. at all, which is crazy for me. Um, so I think at this point, maybe all we have left to give is our home address and phone <laughs> number. So I think it's time for us to yeah. say goodbye. Follow SI now on Twitter, like Sports Illustrated on Facebook. And uh, keep in touch with us. And I guess the very last thing that I should do, I have had many experiences that have been uh, great in a lot of different places that I've worked and people I've gotten to work with. And I don't want to rank them all, but this is very close to the top and has been very gratifying. And to you, Alex, I need to say thank you. Well, thank you, It Mitch. was a pleasure to work to with it. you on this. And uh, I hope that you and I, we're going to shake hands very soon, but I hope that you and I get a chance to work together again, whether it's another podcast like this or something else. But I hope we uh, we continue working together because this was a fun partnership we had. I agree with you 100% on everything you just said. And I think instead of shaking hands. I think you're going to make us high five. I think we like should we high did, five. Uh, on our first right episode. Now. Okay. This is a callback. All right. One high five and then we're out. Three, two, one. All right. That was a good one. That was our best high five. <laughs> we have not practiced that, I promise. That was like across a table. Yeah. All right. For the very last time, for now, probably, on the <laughs> Sports Illustrated at the Games podcast feed, this has been uh, Very Olympic Today. I forgot the name of the show. Very Olympic We're yesterday. very tired. Yeah, Very <laughs> Olympics. The Olympics are over. But thanks again, everybody, for listening. This was a blast. I'm Mitch Goldich. What's your name again? I'm Alex Abnos. All right. And we are taking off. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we hope you guys enjoyed the Olympics as much as we did.